Amen. You guys ready? Come on now. Let's show some energy today. Let's go. We're excited about what God's doing. This whole series has been a blast. If I can be real honest with you, this series has really messed me up. Anybody else? It's really, really messed me up to, uh, this, the past seven weeks, six weeks that we've been doing this. As we've broken down what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and uh, as I've really began to understand at a deeper level the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is teaching and what he's talking about, where he's getting us to, I, it has messed me up in a way that like, it's, I haven't had a series mess me up this bad in a while. It's causing me to rethink the way I live my life. It's causing me to rethink the way that I think about things. And, and, and I suspect that today would be no different as we're on week six of our That's What He Said series and looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And today's message is titled this. If you're taking notes, uh, and we always encourage you to take notes, uh, we're titling it this, Don't Judge Me. Don't Judge Me. Anybody ever heard that phrase before, right? You ever heard that? You ever use that phrase? Anybody in the room ever use it? Come on, come on, don't leave me by myself. Don't you dare. I know you're holier than I am. I've used that phrase. You know, we, we use that phrase. And usually when we use that phrase or when that phrase is used, it's in moments to where it's following after we know that we're doing something that we probably shouldn't be doing. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, hey, don't you, don't you judge me. The Bible says... Don't judge. Don't judge me. And that's actually not exactly what the Bible says. We're actually going to talk about a little bit of what the Bible says today. Um, but it doesn't say that. It is a popular version. It's a popular phrase. It's a popular scripture. People that don't even know the Bible like going to this, this one where it's like, the Bible, Jesus said, don't judge people. And so you shouldn't judge people. It's, it's popular and it's there. And and Jesus was actually, here's what Jesus was saying in a nutshell about judgment. Jesus was actually saying, maybe you should look a little deeper than the external action of people. Because here's the truth. I, I do want to go ahead and say this. You'll hear me say this again in just a minute in the message. But I do want to go ahead and say this. The reason judgment is so scary and so difficult and something that we probably shouldn't do, the, the, the truth is, is everybody's carrying something we know nothing about. Do you hear me? Everybody, you in the room, some of you are carrying things nobody, you've never told anybody. Nobody knows anything about. I'm carrying things in my life that you know nothing about. And so we should probably be careful the judgment that we pass on people ahead of time before we're supposed to simply because what if they're carrying something and they're trying to learn how to deal with it? And don't we all struggle to deal with things at times in our lives? You with me? Don't we struggle sometimes? John Maxwell says it like this. You're never really good at anything the first time. So as you're learning to deal with things, you're never going to figure it out the first time. So whenever I judge in those moments what I'm doing in those moments and I'm going, hey, I don't care if it's your first time, you should probably get it right. And I'm thankful and I'm grateful that I serve a God in my life that doesn't require that from me. Aren't you? It doesn't require that from me. See, God's judgment, here's what judgment is. Judgment is character assessment based on someone's action. Are you with me? Let me, let me redefine this. Judgment is defining someone's character based on a temporary action. Do you know that good people do bad things sometimes? 
Are you with me? Come on, some, y'all got to talk to me today. Good people do bad things. Good people make mistakes, right? I'm not perfect. I, I feel like I'm a good guy. I feel like I'm a decent guy. I make mistakes. I do that dumb things. I do bad things. I do stupid things. I think stupid things. Man, people cut me off in traffic, and I have thoughts. You know what I'm saying? I have these thoughts. You know what I'm saying? I, I just do. There, somebody's tailgating me on the interstate. That, that brake pedal's real close to that gas pedal. It's, I mean, it just, I'm, I have the same, like, you know what I'm saying? That doesn't make me a bad person, does it? Right? Or, or, or like, I'm having a bad day somebody, sometimes and somebody spouts off at me. I, I got a mouth on me too. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you knew me back in the day, whew. I'm telling you, I got a little, I, I'm, a, I'm a golf. If you know anything about golfs, like, we got a temper boy. I just, I'm just telling you. You don't know anything about golfs. You just know me. And I'm tame. That's the wild thing. And, and the reality is good people do bad things. So sometimes actions, actions aren't the greatest assessment of somebody's character. In fact, Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Here's what he actually says. Watch this. He says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Okay. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. Behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. Now, let's stop right there for a minute. Remember, the word hypocrite refers to a Greek actor that played several different characters in one role, in one play. And how would you define the difference? With a mask. So he looks at me and goes, you hypocrite, you person that's playing two, three, four different roles and you're just changing masks. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will clearly take this, uh, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And here's where people get this mentality that you shouldn't judge me is you have your own problems, why are you worried about mine? Which is, I can get behind that. I'm, I'm with you on that. Maybe we worry probably way too much about other people's lives, right? Maybe we get into other people's business way too often. And sometimes people invite it into their lives through Facebook and social media and things like that anyway, right? And, and, and so I see what Jesus is saying, but we have to remember the context of the sermon he's preaching. Who's he preaching to? The Pharisees and the disciples. He's preaching to a culture that was enamored with making sure that everybody judged them in the right way. That everybody knew how much influence they had. That they knew how much love that they had. How much uh, um, uh, prosperity that they had. How many things they had. All this stuff. And they didn't care about the internal character. They only cared about the external actions. And remember the whole Sermon on the Mount is about Jesus trying to develop a private faith that makes a public impact. Are you with me today? And so as we take these thoughts into this thing, we start looking, we can look and go, Jesus says not to judge. But Jesus doesn't say not to judge. Jesus actually says, take care of yourself and others. If you look at what he's saying, he's talking about making sure that we're all together. Now, why is Jesus using this mentality or this illustration of a, of a speck and a, and a, and a plank? Well, I want you to think about something, right? So I'm going to give that. Ryan, come up here for a second, just, just, just for a moment. Come on and join me on the stage. If you could, just hold that right there. That's all you got to do. Just hold that. We can be like Jacksaw Jim Duggan if you want. Oh! Anybody remember Hacksaw? Anybody? Come on, somebody. That is a man right there. Right? I want hair like he always had. Anyway, totally off, off topic. So here's what, let me illustrate this for you for a minute. Jesus 
is saying, why are you concerned about the speck in their eye whenever you have a log in yours? So is Jesus saying that my sin and struggle is worse than theirs? On the outward appearance, it seems like he is until you begin to remember that he's talking all about perspective. Here's, here's what we need to do. Remember the il airplane illustration we just gave? The higher up you go, what? The smaller things become. Or the more detached from something you are, the smaller it is. The less you see it for the size that it is. So here's what Jesus is saying, right? You got Ryan over here. And Ryan's got his own struggle, right? Ryan's got his own sin, his own struggle, his own frustration. And, and let me just go ahead and tell you this. Struggle is not the problem. It's what we do with the struggle that can be the problem. Right, And so Ryan's got his own struggles, his own frustrations, his own aggravations, his own doubts, his own questions, all this stuff, right, over here. Now, Ryan's over here. Now, Ryan and I are connected. We know each other. We're friends, right? And I'm over here on this side. Now, the truth is, is that this board, each board, both boards are, are cut to the exact same length. They're the same size and the same length. However, in front of me, this board looks way bigger. This board looks giant. Do you know why this board looks giant? You do know why this board looks giant. It's science. It's because this board is closer to me. And so Jesus is going, hey, you have to look around the struggle in your life just to see the small struggle that you see in their life. In other words, you are so detached from them, their struggle is not even that big of a deal. It's not even that big, but you would rather look around the big deal in your life and point out the small deal in theirs. But to him, his struggle is bigger than mine. Why? Because his is closer to him than me. Are you following me today? And so Jesus is going, why don't you stop looking around your struggle and just get rid of your struggle so now you can help him get out of his? Because whenever you're delivered from something, are you with me? It now is no longer a test in your life. It is now the testimony. It is now no longer a problem. It is an opportunity for me to help him. And so now I can go to Ryan, and I've got my struggle over here, and I'm kind of getting through mine. I don't have to look around mine anymore. And now I can go to Ryan and be like, dude, listen, I got you. We're in life group together. Come to life group with me. Let's talk about the Bible. Let's learn this thing together. Let's do life together. And it's slowly but surely Ryan starts to move to the side. And now both of us are at a place to where the struggles we had are no longer the struggles we have because Jesus has helped us get through them. We're not judging each other. And now we can go and find more people and help set them free from the things in their life. It's not Jesus saying, my struggle is more important than his. It's Jesus saying, why don't you focus on the big thing that you have the perspective on because you don't know what their struggle is you don't know why they struggle with drinking maybe they have alcoholism in their family you don't know why they struggle with depression maybe it's a mental illness in their family and they need help you don't know why they struggle uh, being a father that they they say they want to be maybe they never had a father but it's easy for me to go ryan how dare you you had a beer last night. You're a terrible person. I can't believe you do that, Ryan. And all the while, I'm over here, and I'm overeating every day. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't leave me hanging today. Ryan, how dare you? I saw you on Facebook, and you lit it up and dropped three F-bombs in the middle of it. Now, while that's wrong, Ryan, I'm sitting over here, and I don't believe anything God tells me anyway. I'm so insecure, I don't even think I'm his. Come on. Are you with me? Ryan, 
How dare you go through that relationship and treat her the way that you did? And all the while I'm over here and I'm cussing out my wife every other night. Y'all, let's be real about this thing. This is the stuff Jesus was talking about. And Jesus was basically saying, you want everybody to see you at a certain level, but you don't even work on yourself to get to that level. It's all a facade, and so it's easier to point out your small stuff that I don't even know what it's connected to than it is for me to work on what I know is connected to me. Because maybe I got a problem with the things he's doing because somewhere inside of me, it's deeper in me. Are you following me today? Are you seeing the illustration? And so it's not just about the sin. I got it. Thank you, buddy. It's not just about the sin that's the problem. It's not about the struggle that's the problem. It's not about the judgment that's the problem. It's the perspective. And Jesus was going, if you'd work more on yourself than you do on others, then everything else would work itself out. And some of us, I'm just going to be real honest. We are so concerned with everybody else, we don't even know what we're studying in the Bible anymore. We're so concerned with everybody else's uh, issues that we don't even know our own. We won't even get help for us, but we want to be helped for them. And Jesus is basically saying, because what does he say? When you judge others, make sure that you're able to help set them free. In other words, when you overcome and you've experienced freedom, you need to give that freedom to them, and you need to help them walk it out in life together, through life groups, through, through life together, all these things. And throughout the Bible... I'm not just going to hang in Matthew 7 today, so you're going to want to take a lot of notes. But i got four things that Jesus teaches, and the Holy Spirit reminds us throughout the Bible about judgment. Because the worst thing in my life that I have seen are people that say that they love Jesus, but they treat everybody else like they're supposed to when they don't even know how to. Are you with me? Judgmental Christians. And for me, I just want to be at a place where I just love people. Now, hear me today. I'm not sitting here saying that every, we should just put up with everything and never have a stance on anything and we shouldn't stand up for the Bible whenever things are wrong and things are done wrong. I absolutely 100% think that part of the problem with some of the stances that are being taken in the world today are because the church has not taken a stance. And I don't mean the organization, I mean the people. Come on, somebody. So I'm all for that. But I also am all for loving people. Because I can disagree with you and still love you through it. You can walk in your sin and I can still walk with you. That doesn't mean I have to give in to it. It doesn't mean I have to be a part of it. It doesn't mean that I judge you. And, and Jesus in the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible talks about four different kind of ideas and thoughts and processes and ideas about judgment. And I want to I give them to you. Number one is this. I want to give you this thought. Jesus kind of teaches us this in John chapter 7. If you flip over to there or you can write it down. John chapter 7 verse 24. He teaches us this thought that we should never judge superficially. Never judge superficially. John chapter 7 verse 24 says, says this. It says, do not judge according to what? Appearance. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous, or what is righteousness? We, we studied this, we remember, it is right standing with God. So it says this, it says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with your right standing with God. Use your right standing with God. If I'm not standing right with God, I have no right to look at somebody else and expect them to do the same. Come on. That's what Jesus is saying. Let me, let me show you a picture. Can I show you a picture real quick? Y'all know my family, I think, and, and we're good. Um, it's going to come on the screens. Here we go. It's, there it is. It's, it's stretched. We are not that wide. Uh, 
it's stretched, which is fine. I knew it would be that way. I, I love this picture of my family, man. It, it's beautiful. That is me and my gorgeous, gorgeous wife uh, who is joining the Florence campus today. And she's hanging out with them today. My whole family is. I'm by myself, y'all. It's kind of crazy. Uh, my beautiful wife, uh, my, four, my now four-year-old son, Cullen, uh, my 11-year-old son, Brody, and my eight-year-old daughter, Kylie, right? That's, this is my family. It's a beautiful picture. The story behind this picture was... You may look at this and go, man, they seem to be so happy. It was great. The story behind it is this is during COVID. Nobody was happy during COVID. <laughs> it was during COVID in front of our, our door uh, during our digital Easter experience for Radiate Church. We recorded it, and we had it. It was beautiful, and it was great, and it was fun. It was actually really cool. And, uh, but this is what that, what that was. And I even put on the same sports coat or, or, or uh, jacket that I wore in the video and took a picture so people thought that I was preaching live. That's not entirely true. I just happened to wear the same thing. But what you don't see, like you see this picture, right? And you see smiling faces and beautiful kids. What you don't see is that Cullen, you see the fake smile on his face? You know the reason he's fake smiling right there? It's not because he's just three years old in that picture, or two years old in that picture, excuse me. It's because he was mad as fire at us. He was mad because we made him put his toys down. And we made him put his toys down because we wanted to take a picture. And we want to take a picture because it's Easter Sunday, and you always take a picture on Easter Sunday. And you had to get the right smile, so we made him retake it like three times, right? And so the other kids are frustrated. If you look at Kylie, she's got a fake smile. You know why she had a fake smile? Because that's like the 10th picture. In fact, we ended up, I ended up doing the selfie thing because I was like, let's just get a picture as fast as we can. The fastest way I can do it is this number right here. And so we did that whole thing. And Brody's just like, can we please stop? Because he's old enough to understand at that moment. And Kyle, and Megan's like, God, we're such a pretty family. This is amazing. You move here and you move here. Oh, got to get my good side. Let me fix my head. Y'all know how it is, right? So you see the picture and you go, man, what a happy moment in their lives. And I just want you to know, that was not a happy moment in our lives. It was a happy looking picture in our lives. It's not a happy moment in our lives. How many times do we see, how many times do we, do we do that in life though? We create this, our mind fills in the blank before we ever read the sentence. We've already figured out the mood and the atmosphere that they're in and all these other things, what's happening in their life. Why? Because of what we see. Jesus warns us in verse 24 of John chapter 7. He says, do not judge sacrificially or, or superficially, excuse me, because of the phrase that I said just a minute ago. Every single person is carrying something we know nothing about. Every person in this room. Every person in Florence, every person online, every person that'll be here at every other service that we have ever in the history of Radiate Church, the truth is everybody that you encounter at church, everybody you encounter at the restaurant and at the grocery store, everybody's carrying something. Watch this. If somebody shows up somewhere and they're angry, they're not angry about what they just showed up to. They're angry about something that happened a long time ago. Maybe it was 10 minutes ago, maybe it was 10 years ago, doesn't matter. Judgment causes us to fill in the blanks before we've read the rest of the sentence. Wouldn't it be such a terrible thing to write somebody off whenever God has just start getting them started? Judgment causes us to superficially look on the outside instead of giving them a chance on the inside. So number one, never judge 
superficially. Number two is found actually in, in Romans, uh, the book of Romans. It's found in um, verses, uh, chapter 2, and it's verses 1 and 4. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 and 4. And we get the second point, and the second point is never judge. Watch this hypocritically. Never judge hypocritically. Let's see what Romans 2, 1 and 4 says. It says, verse 1, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Verse 4. Go down to verse 4. Verse 4 says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Why is that one so key? Here's why. When we judge hypocritically, we will judge people by standards that we will not live. And the Bible clearly teaches us in Romans 2.1, don't you ever judge somebody by a standard that you're not willing to uphold. In other words, don't ask them to do something you won't do. You know, in leadership, I said in the very beginning when I became in the ministry, at the very beginning of it all, that I would never ask people to do things that I would not be willing to do. If I need people to clean toilets and I need somebody to step up into that, I better be willing to grab a brush and do it myself. I better be willing to vacuum. I better be willing to mop. I be all that. And I still stand by that today. I will do anything I ask anybody else to do. But in life, it's a lot harder to do, isn't it? Isn't it so much easier to look at other people's spec and point out what they should do rather than look at ourselves and go, here's what you should do? Are you with me? Here's how you become a better father. Here's how you kick a habit. Here's how you kick an addiction. Here's how you do this. Here's how you get closer to God. It's easier for me to tell Jeff what he needs to do in his life than it is for me to tell Brandon what I should do in my life. It's easier for all of that. And whenever we judge hypocritically, we forget verse 4. And verse 4 says, don't think lightly of the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience. Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Let our lives be such an example of the patience of God in our lives. Let us put away judgment so much that we, we uphold what we ask others to uphold. We live by the standard of what we ask others to live by. And we allow the love and the patience God has with us, the kindness and the joy and the love and the tolerance. Oh my goodness, God has been tolerant with me. There's moments every week where I'm like, God, I just don't know if you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Oh, yeah, Brandon, when, did I, when have I ever told you I was going to do it and not done it? Oh, oh, I can tell you. No, you said you would do that. I said I'd help. Come on. Sometimes we hold God accountable for things that we say we're going to do. And God, where are you? Why didn't you make this happen? Well, I never told you I would do that. That was your decision, not mine. You see, judgment creates this thing within us to where we now have to live what we say. If I want you to be careful with what you do, I need to be careful with what I do. Because when we, the truth is, is that our harshest judgments are usually an indication of our big, biggest weaknesses. Come on. Our harshest judgments are usually indications of our biggest weakness. 
If I'm constantly judging the way that somebody dresses or looks, then I probably have an insecurity issue about the way that I dress and look. If I'm constantly judging somebody because of the freedom in which they live their life, then I probably have a problem that doesn't allow me to live very free. If I'm constantly judging somebody by the, 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 the way that they live their life and the things that they say and the things that they do and the stances they take, I probably have an issue somewhere in there. Are you following the logic here? And Romans 2.1 teaches us that if you hold somebody accountable, if you judge somebody, then you have to be willing to live it. Because if not, whenever we judge hypocritically, judgment causes us to trade in our mirror for a magnifying glass. A mirror makes me look at me. A magnifying glass lets me magnify everything about you. And nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, hey, pay more attention to them than you do yourself. So number one is never judge superficially. Number two, never judge hypocritically. Number three is a hard one. It's a hard one for a lot of us. It's a hard one. It's a tough one. It's this. Never hold non-Christians to the standard of Christians. The Bible actually talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 2, 12 through 13, and it says this. It says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are with, within the church? Verse 13, but those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Never judge non-Christians by the standard of Christians. Brody's 11 years old now. <clears throat> He's been playing baseball for a few years, and he made the all-star team this year on his, uh, for the rec department. He's playing all-star baseball. I love it. It's great. It's a lot of fun. I go out there, and I watch him practice. I'm, I helped coach the last uh, uh, the team earlier, but I just don't have the time. to. I'm, I'm not doing this one. And, and, and the truth is, <clears throat> he's got great coaches. They don't need me. And I'm going out there, and I'm you know watching Brody practice third base or pitcher or you know they they played him at shortstop a minute yesterday and you know after practice after his practice yesterday you know what I went home and did I went home and I sat down for a little while after cutting the grass and after working in the garden a little bit doing some yard work you know what I went home and did I I sat in my recliner and I turned on MLB baseball and y'all those guys can play they can play third base you know what I'm saying they can play third base they play third base better than Brody plays third base They catch balls Brody can't catch. They throw balls that Brody can't throw. They get the ball there quicker. They tag guys out. Like, they're smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, I watched the line drive. Y'all, the, 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 the velocity coming off the bat was 114 miles an hour, and the third baseman caught it in the air. If I, I wouldn't even see that thing. It would be an outfield before I even turned around. That's just how I am. That's how Brody is, too. Wouldn't it be ridiculous for me to go to Brody? And look at Brody and say, sit your behind on that couch right now and you study what they're doing because that is how you need to practice on Monday. That is what you need to do. If you can't make that catch at third base, I'll pull you off the team. How ridiculous would that be? Why? They're MLB players. They're the best in the world at what they do. Brody's 11. Nobody in here would go, he should be at that level at 11 years old. Nobody. But how many times in life do we look at people and go, you should be at that level even though you just gave your life to Jesus three minutes ago. Hey, you should be at that level even though you don't even know if you believe in God yet. Hey, you should not be doing those things because God said, and they're sitting there going, I don't even know that I believe anything God said. 
We do because of experience. We do because of faith. We do because we know that in our lives he's real and we've made that decision. But before they have, why should I expect them to live at a standard that they have not committed to? Are you with me today? And that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is saying. Don't do that. Let God be the judge. Unfair judgment doesn't change people. It chastises them. Unfair judgment doesn't change a thing. It chastises them. And do you want me to tell you, Christian, follower of Jesus, disciple of God, do you want me to tell you the fastest way to turn people away from God? Judge them to the cross. There's not one person. I think growing up, there was people in my life, and excuse me for this phrase, but I'm going to use it very literally, and I'm not trying to be funny. There were people in my life growing up that literally tried to scare the hell out of me. And that was their way of trying to get me closer to the cross. I don't know one person that has ever been scared, loved, or, or, or hated, or judged closer to Jesus. And I meant that phrase very literally. <clears throat> Let's just love people. We can have our standards, we can hold our standards, and we can let people know our standards. But can I just go ahead and tell you, if they haven't given their life to Jesus, they don't have the same standard. Let's try to meet in the middle. And let's have conversation rather than argument about those standards. Are you with me today? Never judge in that way. And then number four, the last one, is in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. I hope this has helped you. As much as it's helped me over the past week. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this. Brothers, if, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Number four, the last one. Always restore others. There's few things that break my heart more than watching, in my profession, people sacrifice their ministry and family at the altar of the immediate. You've seen it. It's in the news. I mean, we can talk about it. There's nothing more that I hate than seeing people that are making much of their lives now destroy it and burn it down through decisions. I hate that stuff. But there's also nothing that makes me happier than whenever somebody that loves Jesus comes around and puts their arm around somebody like that and goes, listen, I know the sin that you committed disqualified you from doing what you're doing right now and you have to take some time, but I want you to know I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to love you and when everybody else turns their back, I'm a phone call away. And whenever there's nobody that you've seen like will listen to you for what happened, I will listen to you. I will also tell you the truth, but I want you to know, what if Christians came alongside people and said, I will restore rather than make an example out of you? Come on. Isn't that what Jesus is doing to us every day of our lives? You screwed up. You messed up. You did this. You did that. And there's a laundry list of things every day that Jesus could point out. But every day he goes, I want to restore you instead. I don't want to sweep. In fact, Jesus doesn't sweep it under the rug. He, in fact, he brings it to the light and he approaches us with our sin and with our problem. 
The problem is I pride myself on being a church that's transparent. We'll answer any question you ask. But you know what the truth, you know why I'm transparent? Because I think too often we try to hide things and put them in the darkness. And you know where what breeds in darkness? Darkness. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I want people that are going to come alongside and call me up and walk with me and restore with me. And that is life groups. To where they come along and they go, I've got you. You're struggling with depression today? Come here. Come here, give me a hug. Come here, you just need some kind of serotonin in your life to where it just it, somebody just touches you and tells you that you matter. You're struggling with doubt and with faith. Come here, I need to tell you what I see in you. Come here, I know you're, you're struggling with prayer. Let me pray for you and with you because you can't do it for yourself right now. That is what we need. We need people that come alongside other people and go, yes, you struggled, and yes, you failed, and yes, you messed it up, and no, I'm not going to make it okay, and no, I'm not going to baby you, and no, I'm not going to just pet you in the middle of it, but I will bring it up, and I will walk it out with you because Jesus does that for me every day. Remember the patience and the tolerance that he talked about just previously in, in Romans? That's what we're showing. God, thank you. I just want to say thank you, God, that you give us patience, that you give us grace, that you give us love. God, thank you for believing in me when I give you nothing to believe in. Now, God, help us live that same way. That's judgment. See, I know it's easy to look at everybody else's plank, even if it looks like a speck. But maybe it's a little harder for them to get rid of it than it is for you to see it. Are you with me today? So let's change our perspective and just go, you know what, God, work on me. And if you've got somebody in my life that I need to help and that I need to restore and that I need to walk through, God... You're going to have to remove this plank so that I can see what they're dealing with. Because this is too big for me to see directly into what they're dealing with. Help me. Help me deal with this. And so I think if God were to give a next step or Jesus were to give the next step at the end of his messages like I do, here'd be the next step. Go home and find your plank. And then ask God how to remove it. And let's just love. Let's love one another. Let's love each other, and let's love God. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you. I thank you for loving us like you do. There's no love and grace and patience any greater than yours. And so, God, I just pray that in this moment, in this day, that, God, you'd show us our plank. Let us not pay more attention to the plank in their eye that looks like a speck to us. God, let us pay attention to the plank in our eye. Help us remove it. Help us restore others. And God, help us love you. Because you love us. And God, I thank you that we got a bunch of world changers in the rooms today. People that came to church to learn. People that came to church to get better. People that came to church to love you. And help us walk out of here. And help us love you with all that we have. And all that we will ever have or be. God, we love you in this day and in this struggle and in this moment and even in our celebrations. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, Radiate, on your way out today.
no matter what campus you're at. We're honored to have you. We thank you for being here. Here's what I want you to do. In Florence, your campus director is about to get up and give you some next steps. Today, I want to challenge you to do something. Why don't we try to sign up for a life group this summer? See what that looks like. If you can, sign up, be a part of it, and let's help restore one another. Maybe your restoration is locked up in a relationship. Hey, I love you. Grab some invites on your way out. Let's pack this place next Sunday. Let's be a part of it, and let's come back ready to worship Jesus, the living Savior in our lives. We love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday. Let's go change the world. Love you guys. See you next week.